0: Our fifth episode of Dom Day Tales, the official podcast of Dom Day. It's me, Justin, and I'm joined once again by my esteemed co-host, the Barons of Beer, the Captains of Cocktail, Babe, Cote, and Donnie. We're once again joined by our executive producer Dizzy Patterson, who's listening in as always. Some might say he's back by popular demand. Others might say he's just back by his own demands. We're once again joined by Dick Delmer.
1: Welcome Dick,
2: back guys. Dick, 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 hey boys Dick, Dick, Dick,
1: Dick, Dick. Dick, Dick, Dick. Thanks, so for, th- thanks for having me back. Yeah, long time I d- no chat. I, d- I didn't expect this. Yeah, yeah.
0: two show arc. So maybe I think with the Dick Chance, it's the best way to start. And I'm going to open with you, Donny. The name <laughs> Dick Delmer. Where'd that originate?
3: So that that's you know that's it, pure happenstance, right? Like we're and I think I talked about it on one of the other episodes how we, at one point in time, and I I believe it was in the the fall, winter, spring of 78 into 79, we started those collect phone calls, right? So we were, we found a way to engage each other from long distances without paying for it, right? So it wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be untypical for, you know, for me to to call up uh, uh, anybody and say, you know, this is, uh, you know, a collect call. I'd I'd call the operator and I'd say, you know, uh, here's the number and I'm calling collect for Joe Thiesman, you know, from uh, Roman Gabriel,
1: it'd be it'd be right? Earl Earl Weaver for Sparky Anderson or something yeah, like
3: that. Yeah, yeah, just stuff like that, right? And so as we we talked about before, we just found that we could we could get a lot of mileage out of these calls, and 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 I would say the the greater majority of the time we could hang up the operator going back and forth by like Pete and I I would be calling saying and like use Pete's example. It's Earl Weaver calling for Sparky Anderson, and the operator's on the phone saying to Pete, "It's Earl Weaver calling for Sparky Anderson," and Pete would come back with, "Well, Sparky's not here. He's at he's at uh, whatever the red red stadium was, right?" And she would turn back to me and say, "Well, P- Sparky's not there. I'm, I'm like, That's okay. Can I speak to so and so?" And we'd go back and forth and stuff like this. We so, could have a
1: conversation and then the end result would be she couldn't connect us, but we'd have been on for 10 minutes and had a full conversation. About nothing. About nothing.
3: <laughs> but it was just a great way to hear, to hear each other's voices, right? And I least to get chuckles out of it like crazy. So I don't remember the exact call or the exact name or whatever, but I, I, I want to say that I, it it might have been like, um, just using your real name, Pete. I want to say, and uh, somehow, no, it, or maybe I don't know. I can't exactly remember. A lot, the, a lot
1: of them were. A lot of them came from where the operators just didn't pronounce right. the names right.
3: Right. So she mumbled. She that, mumbled. That's this probably one. came. Yeah. From. She Dick really mumbled. This. Delmer. Yeah. So whatever the name was, <laughs> she turned around and said to Pete, "There's a collect call for Dick Delmer from whatever," and I just lost it. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was just like a classic, right? And and it just was an instant hit. And so from the time we hung up the phone till whenever, I, I just kept going with it. You know, he was Dick Delmer from that point forward. And I used to, see every, all those letters and all those newsletters and whatever. And and, uh, and shit, this is right at the get-go. This is the start of, of Dom Day. We were moving into Dom Day 2, right? And so all of a sudden, Dom Day 2, he's Dick Delmer. Guys are like, who? Dick Delmer, Dick Delmer. And we just ran with it. So, and it stuck. It sure did stick. So 43
0: years later, he's still Dick Delmer and he wouldn't be Dick Delmer without talking about his competitive intensity. Um, And this was a topic that he said he wanted to talk about was the competitive intensity of the early days of Dom day. But maybe I'll start with you Cote and ask you the question as somebody who played for Dick Delmer, who was a part of those early day practices, was Pete competitive?
4: Yeah, because uh, you know I, I think Pete's a, a, a sports, all around sports guy in general. But he certainly loved baseball, and I think to this day he's, he's, you know, he can he can talk baseball with the best of them. I'm sure if him and Steve Peters sat down or Trope Peters, they could talk baseball all day long. So he he knew the game. Um, I won't say he's very good, but he knew the game, and uh, he uh, and he also you know, being Domda and, and competing against the, the, the other guys who were captains, he had no interest in losing. It was all about winning. So, and for us guys, it was like, yeah, this is kind of fun. And he ran us through some drills and I'd played a bit of baseball myself. So I had a bit of an idea. So he was, yeah, to say he was intense. Yeah. That's an understatement because he had, he wanted to win very, very badly and beat guys like Bobby and Chuck. And it was uh, yeah, he had full intentions. He wasn't too worried about Donnie's team on that first one.
1: A lot of so, that, a lot of that came from uh, Justin. May I jump in? Um, can I jump in? Yeah, yeah, it's go ahead. My go turn. On. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I was just gonna say a lot of the, a lot of that came from we all played different sports, right? So a lot, when we came together to play the same, so there was, there was hockey, there was lacrosse, there was golf, there was baseball, there was football, and when we came together, that was an opportunity to show. The athleticism. Who were the better athletes? Which which guys that played which sports were the better, were the better athletes? And if there's one thing, to your point, Justin, that the that the guys today, the younger guys today, probably don't understand, it's exactly that how just how just how competitive those early tournaments were. We did not socializing was a byproduct. We weren't there to socialize. We certainly didn't have sing-alongs like we were many many arguments right pete like there was many many sing-alongs would not donnie babe sing-alongs would that have flown i don't think so at that time we didn't have families we hadn't started having families so there was no none of that stuff all we had was making the other guy look as terrible as possible on the on the field and that's where the whole thing even with the uh raggers row came from and just making the other guy look as bad as possible on the, on the field, the arguments, like we'd sit there on a, I don't even at the very beginning and the pickup games, we wouldn't have umps, obviously we'd sit there and argue for 20 minutes on, a on an outer safe call at first base, just clear the, clear the benches and just argue for ever. I carried a rule book with me. <laughs> I had a rule book in my back pocket. Even even back then? And I would quote the rule book frequently. Um
4: but I think Greg, I think Greg Woodford was involved in some of those discrepancies.
1: Oh uh,
2: pinal? My gosh, there's a list of them.
1: Yeah. He would uh yeah, at third base. If you came in a little high at third base, he'd he'd give you that Gordy Howe elbow for sure. And uh he started a couple of rows over there at the hot corner. Didn't he? Who? I think. Oh, Woodford. Woodford.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Saying, yeah. He'd throw oh, the yeah.
1: elbows up and there'd be, yeah. there'd yeah. be roused. I think he might've got into it with, uh, with senior one time, Kenny maybe, with, maybe with Kenny one time, Yeah. but guys I, were guys just didn't want to give it up. Yeah.
3: I remember I, Pete, you, you might, you might have some more color on this, but I remember, I think it was Dom day two, maybe three. And, uh, and Bob, Bobby's team was playing our team. And, and you were umping, right. And, and so, and it was, the, it was a, it was, it really was a great game. I think the final was something like 26, 25 or whatever. So we're in the, 20s. I, I actually
1: remember that game.
3: Do you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're in the twenties and we're coming down to the short strokes and, and hey, Pete, maybe you remember the exact play or whatever, but there something happened and, and Pete ruled against me and I came firing up. I think it was third base or whatever. And I, I was I was in Pete's face who was something and I'm yelling at Bobby and my face was probably, you know, 22 shades of red. Right, Dick? Like just fired up. Right. Yeah, and,
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen. <laughs> but <laughs> guys would turn to me because nobody knew the rules of baseball. And it all looked to me every time I'd have that rule book. And they put me on the spot and I'd have to have to figure something out. In that particular case, I don't know what the issue was, but I think I flipped the coin. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't care. So while
0: we're talking about competitive spirit, there's a name that I wanted to bring up that I've never heard of, and maybe it's because the competitive uh, spirit of Dom Day overflowed and you guys killed the ump. Um, but Billy Griffiths, Pete, give us some history around this.
1: So I. I'm gonna. I. I'm going to tell you a little story from the great thing about Dom Day is that you have a, you might have a recollection, but somebody else might have seen it from a different angle and have a have a totally different recollection of it. But I'll give you my recollection of Billy Griffiths. Um, Somebody brought up until maybe a, a few years into Dom Day, we would either not have umps or umps from opposite teams and guys weren't happy with that. So somebody brought in Billy Griffiths, which I don't know whether he was who he was, whether he was a, a lacrosse guy or somebody's uh, somebody's buddy and uh, really nice guy, kind of a uh, glasses, very soft spoken guy, really nice guy. And I remember the guy saying, oh, this is Billy and uh, Pete, and he's um, he's, you know, Billy, would you like to help us out and ump a, ump a few games for our tournament? And he goes, yeah, it looks like a nice bunch of guys. You know, we're here to have fun here. <laughs> You know, the guys really like each other. It's a really, really fun, really fun uh, tournament. So he, he agrees to do it. And he's a really nice guy, but he's not a very good ump. So he makes, he makes a couple of questionable calls, and guys start getting on him, And guys, guys start working them over. And uh, at one point, it was so bad. I think, do you remember this Don? I pulled, like, he started making some wicked calls and guys were screaming at him. And I remember pulling my f- team off the field one time, like, when he, w- yeah. one of the games he was doing. Do you remember that one, Donnie? No. This is a, this no. is a farce. <laughs> I pulled yeah. my team off the field. Oh, yeah. and, I, do, and, I do remember that. Piece. And, uh, and Billy like, didn't know what he had gotten himself into. The last time I saw him, literally, he was surrounded by guys that were like yelling names at him and members of his family that, that you just wouldn't wish on your wor- your worst enemy. Poor Billy. And I, don't, I think he was there on a Saturday. I don't think he made it back for the Sunday.
2: Yes, I, I remember he said, oh, yeah, I've ump baseball before. That will be great. <laughs> but he was a lacrosse guy. He came from the lacrosse side. <laughs> he, was, he was a great guy. I don't think he showed up for like two years after that.
1: Oh, I never yeah, saw him he, again. I yeah. don't remember seeing yeah, him. Yeah, no, he would
2: show up, and he'd, he'd kind of
4: stroll up the uh, first baseline and kind of park under a tree. But he He knew Tex and that from TCI, yeah. right, babe?
2: Yeah, TCI and lacrosse. and Yeah, yeah he's a, just a great guy. Fantastic yeah. guy. Yeah. It'd be great elbow. to
1: find him and get his perspective <laughs> on that. Uh, <laughs> he's in therapy. Br- <laughs> what I call his brush with Dombie.
4: <laughs> he's in therapy, yeah. Oh.
0: Okay, so that's Billy Griffiths. We're going to hop ahead a little bit further down to Dom Day 10. And it's a story that is called The Shot Heard Around the World.
1: Right. Delmer, cue it up. Want me to, you want me to start? Again, all, right. all these stories have, you know, 50 different perspectives. So all I can give you is mine. But Dom Day 10, uh, 87, uh, Red Machine, and Boys Final, which was at that time one of the bigger rivalries in the tournament. And I think we had been in three finals uh, against each other tie game, bottom of the seventh, two out. I'm on the mound pitching, nobody on base. And I look up at the plate. And uh, so we got the opportunity to win it in the bottom of the seventh and shows up. We're at the bottom of the order shows up. And I look over in the on deck circle and Luster's in the on deck circle. <laughs> so of course I'm thinking, well, okay, we, we <laughs> we'll give this inning up and uh, we'll hold them in the top of the eighth and we'll come back with the top of the order and try and win next inning. So Cracho slashes a single into left field. So he's standing on first base and, you know, Lester kind of walks up with that kind of uh, nonchalant walk up to the plate. Like he's walking into a strong wind. Yeah. Is this the same Lester
2: that was at your party?
1: I don't not recall that conversation. <laughs> I'm hoping that people missed the last episode. Um, but he comes up. I'm not sure he'd had a hit in the tournament to that point. He misses the first pitch by a foot and a half. Right? <laughs> and I'm trying to calm him down. And the next one he gets a hold of and crushes it. And it's going dead to center field. And uh, I look out and I go, well, okay, it's probably an out. And then I look out again, and for some unknown reason, Bobby had put Grecian in center field. And suddenly I look out there, and Grecian's like doing doing (laughs) figure eight. He's doing figure eights out there. He's taking figure eight paths to Uh the ball, left, right, and everywhere. And sure enough, it drops over his head, probably three feet from the home run fence. Lester just crushed it. <clears throat> Croucho, we we wave Croucho home, comes running. I remember carrying Croucho off the field on our shoulders. I remember mobbing Lester and thinking, you know, this this tournament makes heroes like out of any, anybody. You don't get to pick. It just picks you. And it made heroes out of those two guys. And uh, that's what I, I remember about that. And um, if I may, Justin, there was a... <clears throat> Fast forward 25, 30 years later, and th- this is another great thing about Domday is I'm in Oakville in a supermarket and bump into none other than Lester, right? And he's got his two very young daughters with him. This might be about 10 years ago. And he introduces me to his daughters. I might have had Tom with me at the time. I don't know. He might have been 10 or 11. And, and introduces me and he goes, well, Pete and I played ball together. And we kind of looked at each other and caught each other's eye and i said to him do they know about the shot heard around the world right <laughs> <laughs> and he's just and they're the, the two girls are looking at no idea so anyway we go ahead and tell this story and his two girls are looking at him like dad you, we didn't know you were a rock star why didn't you tell us that before and it was just a it was just a great moment because it was like and i i am not you know lester and i aren't close never hung out but we'll, we will always have that moment together. I think everybody at Dom Day has a story like that where they did something on the field with someone. They combined with somebody and it was something big and uh, they'll always have that connection with that person. So for me, that was a, that was a great moment in, in it, the history of the tournament it, for me. That's awesome. Babe, but any that,
5: thoughts
0: to add?
2: That was an epic moment because I remember everybody who wasn't playing were all watching the game. And when Lester hit that, because he's such a great guy, Everybody was up and cheering. It was, and that's why, you know, it was the shot heard around the world. It was unbelievable. And, you know, we can say, you know, Grecian, I mean, everybody moved in because you didn't expect him to even hit the ball. And he crushed it, as Pete said.
4: It was. Probably had a cigarette, you know, if knowing what, Lester was a, he was a dark man back then. And whether he had a cigarette then or had set it down beside the field and Crouchman was probably no different. So two unsung heroes.
1: Right. Absolutely. That, I think the that, left, the left field, the the third, the first base side hated the red machine with a passion, but they loved Lester and Croucho. That was for sure.
3: Yeah. And just the unlikeliest of heroes, as you said, because you, you had some great players on that team. You're right, Pete. If you got, if you got your chance and held them and got up the top of the order, it was a good chance. It was going to happen that way. Anyhow, but just,
1: you yeah, know, it was with,
3: Le- with less and uh, Croucho rest his soul, you know, unlike, Somebody else you touched on on one of the episodes he, go- yeah, He's yeah. still here. He didn't oh, die. Yeah.
4: yeah, he didn't die. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but but, um, uh, but Johnny Crouchman is a legend, right? I mean he, he's the uh, he he was great at Dom Day. And, uh, and I remember the time
4: the one time with Crouchman sitting there, and he you know he he had a tendency to get into the booze pretty good on the Saturday, and there was a foul ball, and it went right through the middle of his windshield. Just tof, he just looked over oh that was my car he didn't even go over to the vehicle nothing until he probably picked it up on sunday night that was that was crotch all
0: right so we've got another story we're going to hop forward a little bit even further to 1991 i gotta profess guys i i think our listeners will be surprised to learn that i'm i'm no athlete um but when certain guys come up to the plate you know, there's things you yell, like, you know, hit it out of the ballpark and, you know, run to first and that sort of stuff. Um, but our our podcast producer, Dizzy Patterson, there's one line that gets used very often when he's up to bat. And that's, sorry, Mrs. Wilson. And for a lot of us young guys, we don't know the origin of that story. Who is Mrs. Wilson? And maybe Cote as the local, uh, you know, pain in the ass from Rexdale. Why don't you give us a little context on who Mrs. Wilson was?
4: Well, I, I, I think, I think, I think Babe could probably accurately describe um, the exact house and things like that. I know that she had one of the backyards down the third base line that uh, where Mr. Uh, d- that uh, Mr. Thompson always set up his chair right by. So babe, maybe you could, it was right by um, it was on the back side of the diamond there, right?
2: Yeah, it was on the third base side. And she was probably, that family was probably the first family in that little area to get a pool, to have a swimming pool. And she, you know, well known within the neighborhood for probably being not the friendliest, but uh, a lot of balls went over into her yard and into her pool. So uh, she lived probably five houses down from the Woodward's and about five houses coming the other way from the Thompson's
4: near al, right. Finley, right? Like
2: yeah, al finley right like
4: right beside yeah 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 and so we because the balls you know you'd select anybody pull the ball that side and it would end up in that backyard all so we'd lose like three or four balls of dom day in her backyard i don't know if we ever hit her in the head did we tag her once
1: yeah we did i i i so one of the guys that was notorious maybe before dizzy's time <laughs> was woodsy woodsy was yeah. notorious he would he would just
4: oh because he'd pull it He was and he
1: would just come off the ball in a, in a full step and just hammer balls right into her backyard. And I, w- I remember w- one time, it had to be late 80s or 90, before they, and the story was 91, when we had to change fields because of some of the neighbors who complained. So it had to be about 90. I think, I think Ricky hit one line drive right into that yard. And I went to ret- we all, we'd always go to retrieve the ball. And I went to, re- I was playing deep short, went to retrieve the ball, climb the fence. And there's Mrs. Wilson sitting in a chair and somebody with her her son or whoever it was with like a cold compress on her head. Right. So I, I didn't have the heart to ask for the ball back. So I, uh, I, I, I just jumped down and we continued playing, but she got, she got, she got cracked in the noggin. Uh, so, so, I mean, I didn't blame her when I got the call from the, from the city saying that we'd been banned, uh, we'd been banned from that, that field. And I think that was in, uh, had to be in 90 because in 91, we ended up on, at the other side, but the, but the, uh, anyway, so I was going to tell a little bit of the, the, the story of, uh, of that because this has to do with Slade Digby. Uh, yeah. But if there's any more stuff on Mrs. Wilson, I never knew Mrs. Wilson, I just felt, horrible for her because she was she was literally a target she was just a sitting duck for years yeah uh,
4: didn't we drive up some lame fence
3: well i think i was was just gonna say there's there's three stories that one leads to another to another so pete you want to carry on with the the 91 story and then eventually leads to the 92 story right well the
1: 91 story was just that you know i kept i got the original call saying we were toast on that field and donnie I remember talking to Donnie about it and saying, ah, Don, and he'd say, Dick, what are we going to do about this? And say, I've got him. I'll, I'll get this fixed. I will get this fixed. We will be back on that field. I remember assuring Mike that we would be back on that field. And then um, I thought I had him. And then like the night before the tournament, they called me and said, we've, we they've, they know you're coming and we've had another complaint and you cannot play on that field. So, but I had forgotten to, to tell Mike. So the next, The next day, whether it was a Friday afternoon, we were starting Donnie, you show up and we're all over on the other diamond and we're getting the other diamond ready for the, for the tournament. We're like lining the other diamond. And I see you talking to a few of the guys on the old diamond. like with that furled brow, like what the, what's going on? And you walked up and you brushed by me and you didn't even look at me. You just brushed by me and said, nice effing job, Dick. And uh so <laughs> we played on that on that field. And I, I'm i not sure, Justin, but I I think that's when the torch might have been passed from Smokey what? to uh Slade Dickey. It, it uh, was
3: so Dick, <laughs> let, let me let me add my you know, there's always different perspectives, right? But let so whatever Pete was trying to go through all week trying to get us permission to play, right? To fighting off mission will Mrs. Wilson who had got some support and was whatever. And at, at one point they wouldn't allow us to play on the field, either of the fields. So on the Friday, which is, we're supposed to start at six o'clock or whatever. Right. I'm like, well, I got on the phone and I called Morley Kells. Right. So Morley Kells who coached us in lacrosse, but was now a, was he a councilman or a a counselor? Yeah. Counselor. I called him at the Etobicoke offices at the, at the city hall or whatever. And I'm like morally you know, they're not going to let us play here. You know, they haven't given us a a permit and people don't uh, give them a history and this and that. And he says, well, let me see what I can do. We're going back and forth. And it wasn't literally, it wasn't until like three or whatever, where he said, all right, I've got you guys a permit. You can play on the other diamond, which we, you know, then we called the West diamond. So we, we actually, at some point weren't going to play that time. And then, um, and right, I Pete, was close. Yeah, and then that—that's right. That, that was the year that Pete was was hand, handing the reins off to to Slade Digby, you know, because he had he had Pete had basically chaired the tournament for the past decade and was ready to hand it off. So I was I was ready to, or Slade was ready to take it over, and it was a fiasco.
1: But it but it turned out <laughs> yeah. that that yeah. was actually a a great year because you remember what happened that year?
2: Produced probably yeah. the greatest yep. race ever. Yep. yep.
1: Yes, yep. that was keg that race. was that year. That was ninety one. The keg yeah. race and and all the different uh, the battle of the G- the battle of the giants. Yeah. We called it. Yeah, and film. I know
0: nothing about the keg race. It's never been discussed in my house. <laughs> so, one, That's an one day, yeah, one day, at uh, some point later, uh, in in Dom De, uh, in the Dom Day podcast, we're going to need to talk about that because yeah. I feel like there's a lot of gaps that need to be filled, at least in in my and my sister's uh, knowledge as far as what actually occurred in the keg race.
3: But it, it did work out great, and, and the, the filming had come along. We were filming from the scaffolding, and it was that year was down the first baseline, and uh, we got some great film, and, and uh, the, only, the only negative side was that the school wall was so close and right field that we had to adjust on the fly, right, and come up with some new rules. Um, but it was a good time.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
3: what happened was the next year, so we're faced with the same dilemma again. We want to get back to the East diamond, the regular diamond. And so we had to petition the borough again uh, that we were going to put up a fence, which we called the sky fence. Right. And so we, we bought this uh, netting, right. So kind of like the stuff, uh, I don't know, like it's, it was like a real thin like the net. golf ball nets. They yeah, yeah. Like the golf the driving range. Driving, the driving range. range. Yeah. So we bought that. And, uh, and Joey got a, he got a power scaffold, remember? So we, he, yeah. he brought in a power <laughs> scaffold and on Friday we're erecting this sky fence, which, which went a long way. I mean, it, it probably spanned three houses, right? It was up there. Yeah. 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 And it was like right above the fence level and probably went up 20 10 feet. feet I yeah. would say, right. Or whatever. Oh, way more yeah. than that. Was it? Yeah. yeah. It, it had, had to be 20. 20 quotas, yeah. Right. Yeah up as high as the top of the telephone poles, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever we could get it hooked onto. And so we had the sky fence, which we had promised that we were going to do. And we were, and we actually, we got Al Finley involved. Remember Al went and and talked to uh, the Wilsons and the other neighbors and said, look, this is, you know, Dom day. And, you know, we're raising money for charity and these guys have been here for so long. And this is what we want to do. And we're prepared to protect you and the other families by erecting the sky fence. (laughs) Donnie, so, was
1: that be, was that before or after we had the ten-hour argument about the uh, safety fence for the kids? That
2: was, <laughs> that was before.
1: That was, that, was, that was not much before. No, there right around some, the same there time. Were some, were some, there were some kids uh, <laughs> coming up then, two or three, four-year-old kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were they were they were in harm's way yes. on the third baseline as well. Yeah,
3: but uh, mm-hmm. hold stick it. That was funny, and then we ended up back on the East Diamond, and we. Uh, We stayed there. We're fortunate enough to stay there forever. So, but uh, interesting stuff.
1: But it's funny that one of the, one of the finest, finest moments in Dom Day history, which Justin, I'm amazed that you haven't heard a million times at the dinner table uh, happened in that one year that we were on that diamond.
0: I've, 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 I, you know, I should be honest. I've seen the video.
1: Yeah. Uh, and
0: you know, whenever, whenever there's definitely a disagreement in our house, it's probably that video gets played. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that is definitely an episode unto itself, uh, the
1: keg race. Or whenever your dad told you that he was more athletic than you were. Yeah. yeah. You, you haul that out, right?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So on to our last story of the night, I believe, um, is the pop-up blender party. Um, the origins of the Blender Party, um,
1: Pete. Do you want to kind of speak to that? I I can speak to it generally as a as a part of a number of other things that I was involved with that happened. But I I'm going to leave it to uh, the other guys to to actually tell you how uh, how it originated. All I saw again, it's about perspectives. I was not and i'll say this i was not a kote i was not one of the fun bunch right in fact a lot of guys would say i was one of the unfun guys of the tournament because i was a guy with the permit i was the guy that was always like uh, we got to make sure we follow all the rules and we can't screw things up so there are things that i saw
2: can you confirm that was that was or never that was never was okay
4: i was going to say the same thing what's that was word
1: um, so when I, you know, I, I would do things like I would look at the permit and it'd say things like no city property shall be moved. And then I'd look around There's the eight guys running around the corner with the bleachers they had stolen from Rexdale park, hauling them into the field or, <laughs> you know, no barbecues of any kind shall exist on the premises and senior and, and uh, Andrew's showing up with a with a barrel barbecue the size of a Toyota uh and firing it up. And I'm like shivering in my boots at this stuff, right? Or the or the or the like the six-inch print on the permit that says no alcohol consumption of any kind on the field. And turn around and one day and it's like, what's that going on over there by the third base? Oh, that's just the blender party. There's like two cases of rum opened up and, and uh, 20 gallons ice cream getting poured around. So my my perspective on that was, you know, to having to decide whether to shut it down or not, which, you know, I knew and on the one hand, I could end up in jail. But on the other hand, my life could be also threatened if I tried shutting any of that stuff down. But um, that that, that was my perspective. That w- I would have been the Billy Griffiths, but that was my perspective of the uh, blender party. As, as for its origins, I I don't know.
4: No. I awesome. would ask a third base guy. I I would say Donnie would probably just Tink. I, I assume Tink probably started it by starting to mix some concoctions up on the Sunday afternoon. Would he be? Was it him, or was
3: it? B- yeah, or was so, it uh, the other one that started it? No, I I think it was. Uh, you mean Fergie? yeah yeah yeah. i I think it's just like like everything else it wasn't planned it just kind of evolved right and i think in the early days um in the early early days of the tournament uh when the when the game when the championship game ended we left (laughs) like we, we just left and then i think what what probably happened was some people just started to hang out right and just sit in their chairs and uh, I think at the same time there was a little collection of people on the third base side, there was a little collection of people on the first base side. And then you're right, Tank, for whatever reason, Tank, and he used to bring a carload or a truckload of gadgets and and you know, whatever. And he, you know, he had, he had everything, you know, those sprinklers and he had the water gun and then he actually had the shooters in the, in the gun. They used to go walk the sidelines and give he
1: had him the his, hot tub. one. He had a hot tub, yeah, one year. A cool.
3: hot tub <laughs> and whatever. And then, and then I don't know if you follow along in the program a lot of times. And I, again, I don't have those, but it'll tell you when it started, you know, cause basically one year it, it just all of a sudden developed into the blender party. And and then everybody's, that was what brought first and third together, really that first yeah. and first base and third base group just congregated together. And the fact that you were celebrating a championship and whatever, and every guy's just got jacked up about it. And then the, all the families, whatever. And then we had the young kids shit. When we first started, you know, I think the Justin's and the dizzys Dizzies, whatever they were at our knees or whatever, me for the blender yeah. party. I don't know, you know? and probably catching up some slurpees from, you know, drippings and stuff like that. But, That's
0: where we learned to drink.
3: Yeah. And then we, it just got, they got older and older and we, it just kept going and it, it just was an incredible event. And uh, the odd time, I remember one year there was a massive thunderstorm came through, lightning and everything. And we nobody left, we're just standing there and there's light, lightning, like, you know, and uh and this, just, it, it just sort of developed like everything else, there was no plan for it. It just sort of happened. Right. So. And
1: Donnie, you couldn't, you, know, you couldn't count. We couldn't count the number of guys and gals who missed the party because of that blender party. Who just never, never answered the bell for the to, for the party.
4: Yeah, our, our executive yeah. director, Dizzy Patterson.
2: <laughs> yeah, it took a lot of people down over yeah, the years. Yeah, I, yeah it, took its, it,
1: it took its toll. And it just, it yeah, brought probably, a nickname
2: for one hmm. of the people, Blendy Coats.
1: Yeah, there you go. She didn't and, make. And, it. and you know the other thing about that, the first time uh Casey and Brent ever did their strumming, it was at one of those blender parties and they were off to the side, no one was even listening to them. I yeah. remember seeing them and they were just doing it on their own, It's like hey, they were enjoying each other's company. And little by little a few people started, "Hey, what's going on over there?" and started listening and to what it is uh, today, which is a, you know, classic event of the tournament. Yeah.
3: yeah. Right? Yeah, we just then shifted, we shifted it to the Saturday night and now it's a huge, mm-hmm. huge mm-hmm. event. But the Blender Party was just got a lot of traction and uh and we somehow we kept it under control. I mean, you know, people just came into it with a little bit too much exuberance, the first timers, whatever, and they just lost it, you know. I yep. mean, and then I think it was the downfall of Westy too. Was it a Cote was the Blender Party? I mean, oh, he
4: he would always yeah. get destroyed that year that he. Um, I think Joey found him and he was a stand at the hotel that Stacy ran and she yeah. was looking for him and he was in the shower. He passed out and a, her, her leg razor was stuck in his ass.
5: Yeah, but he, he never,
4: I, I think it happened to Westy too, but Westy never made the party. He'd get just... Oh. Bent out of shape, and we never saw him there. Right, no. might as well just throwing those tickets away at the start. Well, the in the weekend. in the old
3: days, we did, but then once once he got, you know, he, I mean, I think that was the first year when it was he was done, he was finished, you know. Yeah, and Jonesy, and, Jonesy, he, did, yeah, that
4: thing. Well, Jonesy, but he'd already drank and usually a forty pounder on that Saturday afternoon, and then <laughs> yeah. that usually took him out. But yeah, but it, and then full points to some of the girls because the Nicole Wolfs of the world, and that they they thrived on the blender party and uh you know and i know it was right in pete's permit that we were allowed to set up tables and play
0: all sorts of drinking games out there yeah, yeah. So they, were, they were i know great. there
1: was a page in there for that i just could never find it
0: yeah well i think Flopful. the key in the permit you said pete was that there's no drinking on the field but they didn't say anything specific to the sidelines i think is my understanding right we were just I on the know, edge that,
1: that's true yeah. i could i could argue that in court yeah fair enough and that's why we got
0: dewey dewey's now a lawyer that's why we got that done
1: but
4: fergie and tank took the highest um set of rules as far as cleanliness like the finger scoop the the finger scoop was was always you know right there that was never being a concern that way fingers in the ice cream right into the top of the blender
0: some might even say covid covid protocols were invented at the blunder party i
2: think they were like i mean you think about now where you can't even you know shake hands with anybody you got a mask on and you're having a drink that fergie and tink have had their hands in (laughs) really you think about it you go oh my gosh what was the thing
1: is babe though if that was your first drink of the day then you probably would have been concerned about it (laughs) but if it was your 11th you're probably not
3: or if we we or we grab that bottle of fireball or butterscotch schnapps and we're oh, passing cool. it around to 20 different people. People like yeah. you know, it was a super spreader event. <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I I do I do remember when we, you know, met last year and one of our first meetings when we were talking about you know COVID and, and Dom Day and and all that sort of stuff. And I do think that Donnie summed it up pretty perfectly about the blender party and Dom Day and all that sort of stuff. He pretty much said point blank. Dom day is the opposite of social distancing. And I think that is, you know, when we talk about all the stuff that we've gone through over the last year and a bit, everything that you run down the list, packing into REMOs, all that sort of stuff, just the uh, absolute opposite of what we've gone through the last year. So it'll be interesting and fingers crossed we're in a a better spot and come Labor Day. Um, where we can get back to some of those traditions who knows what it'll look like, but you know, at the very least gather the right people at the right place and have a little, a little fun. So guys, with that, I'm going to move on to kind of our last portion of the evening, which is a rapid fire question section for, for Pete Delmazzi and Cote, I'm going to put you in charge of being the bullshit buzzer. So if Pete answers any of these and you don't agree with his answer, feel free to speak up um, and make sure that he answers it correctly. So, Peter, you ready to play? We've got about seven of them for
1: you. Not really. Yeah. Uh, can oh, I plead shit. the fifth? Can
0: I plead the fifth on any of these? No, no. I think I think I think you could answer them all. Are you ready? I'll try. All right. Dom Day has a forty-two year history. Looking back, how many Dom Days would you say you were overserved at?
1: Uh, f- forty-two. 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 I
0: call bullshit
1: right away. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I call a schmatsy on that one, too.
4: Yeah, exactly. Maybe a few of the early ones you might get a little bent out of shape after you'd gone over and never even played on the Sunday.
1: I went from the Coors Lights to the Martinis. That was the problem.
4: Yeah. Oh, I saw that happen in broad daylight in Florida.
0: <laughs> and we won't even go there. We won't even go there. All right, on to the next question, Pete. As Skipper the Red Machine, you had an eye for talent. In your opinion, who is the better value draft pick? Tom Delmazie in the third round or Paul Dalmazzi in the seventh round?
1: Oh, come on. You're not gonna, oh, get, hey. you're yep. not gonna get me into trouble. Um, <laughs> Worth a, try. Worth they a both, try. They both underperformed really badly. Uh, <laughs> so I think it was really close. I'd go with I'd go with Paul was a bargain in the seventh. Fair
0: enough. Fair enough. Sorry, always, Tommy
1: boy. Sorry, Tommy boy. <laughs> always in the conversation for the mop cup.
0: Paul as he is in the same vein when you were coach of the red machine who was one player that you always tried to draft on your roster and why
1: you know this may sound strange uh sammy tarasco now you're obviously not talking about first round second no, round picks no. but if i could grab sammy at a reasonable you know fifth sixth seventh he he was one of the greatest competitors uh, that the tournament has ever seen. He would never back down. He would give you 120% all the time. And no, the stats aren't there, but he was an intangible. Always was an intangible. I would, I would always have that guy on my team. I'd go to war with that guy anytime.
0: I would agree, Pete. I would agree. Awesome. You currently have 13 championships, good for second in Dom Day history as of today. However, if this guy tied your current championship total, you would consider coming out of retirement.
1: If this guy tied it?
0: Yeah, so if somebody got to 13, who is the one guy that would force you to come out of retirement?
1: I'm trying to think who's close. I'm trying to think who's close. I think probably Gorp. If Gorp, if, Gorp ever, if Gorp ever got there, I'd probably say I just can't live with that.
4: <laughs> I, don't I think you've got Bull a motivated that. Gorp. <laughs> yeah. That's a good answer, though, Pete. That's a very good answer.
0: In excluding recent iterations, what is one Dom Day franchise from the past or one that is yet to be born that you'd like to see?
1: That I'd like to see. Could be from the past that I'd like yeah, to see. Yeah, somebody
0: somebody that hasn't come played in a while or hasn't had a team in a while, who's one team that you'd like to see?
1: You know, I, I always enjoyed I always enjoyed the year the cocktails uh (laughs) had their had their one and done you know one of the one of the one of my favorite images of dom day was after their ofer year their one and only ofer year and you know what i'm gonna say kote that kumbaya on the field where they all they all sat on the infield in a circle and held hands and sang kumbaya Yeah. yeah that was one of my favorite moments in dom day so that and for that reason alone they deserve another shot Perfect.
0: <laughs> Dur- during the short-lived bear dick experiment, did Bob Brandt pull his weight?
1: He pulled his quad about <laughs> two seconds into the tournament. I remember that. Oh, uh, so do I. Did who did did who pull his weight? Bob Brandt. was did he Bob worth, pull his was weight? It? Um, no, I think he exited. He exited. He left. He, he, he didn't really even didn't show up. Bad. Yeah, he, he didn't even won, show. Up. He had uh-huh. won it bad. He came out of the box. He pulled up lame, and that was it. And but, I'll be honest. But, but having said that, I still think that was a, that was the right thing to do, and I, I think we should consider doing more of that in the tournament, uh, platooning older guys, because it actually, until that happened, we were really enjoying that, and we were, we were really looking forward to that. So I think as guys get a lot older, as some of us have, that might be the thing that brings us back to uh, kick the ball around a little bit. But But no, he sucked and he, he, and he, and he was a quitter. So, um, and,
0: and the last question, Pete, the toughest question of all, I will never admit this, but when I used to play this one guy's ragging impacted my performance the most, this one guy's ragging. Yeah. So who, who ragged in and impacted you the most?
1: Well, I think we just talked about him. I I, I mean, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of raggers out there, but there's only one true ragger. And Bobby, Bobby Brandt was in a league of his own. And I think I probably played my worst because of his ragging and my best because of his ragging. That's how motivational and destructive uh, he could he could be at the same time at uh, at third base, and I'm not just talking about ragging me. I'm talking about ragging my kids, ragging my family, making me look <laughs> making me look useless in front of my kids and family. I mean, he he had all the tools in the toolbox. He had he had all the tricks. I actually miss him being there. I think I think Gorp would be next. He's uh, he's he's world class as well. I think he's a protege of Bobby's, uh, but. Uh, but uh, he's Bobby was the master.
0: Awesome. So Pete, as we get into some final thoughts, some final thoughts with, with yourself and the rest of the panel, there was one thing I wanted to ask you about, and that was Dom day 40. I know we, we, I gave you the cheap question about choosing between Tom and Paul, but Dom day 40, not only special because you got to bring back um, the red machine, but you also had the opportunity to coach along with Tom um, who a year later brought the Rexdale fugitives. So in a way passing the torch and you guys also had Paul, uh, on that team who is consistently in the discussion for the Mup Cup. Um, I guess kind of 40 years later, you know, and we talk about all these memories, what is that like for you as one of the original guys to get to bring your original four franchise back with, with both your sons in the fold?
1: Uh, it was special. Um, I have a way of compartmentalizing Compartmentalizing stuff, so I don't remember bad stuff, and that was a pretty bad year. Uh, I think that was the year we um, we made the playoffs without winning a game, right? I think I think that was I think that was the year we uh, the one we, did, we went we went over and then we won one of the one inning games, and I think McRae still doesn't understand uh, how that works. But no, it was special having uh, the boys there. Um, to me, though, once they took the field, and they, they'd probably tell you they were just players like any other players, and they suffered the same slings and arrows and criticisms that any uh, Red Machine player would suffer. So I didn't treat them uh, any differently. But uh, no, there was absolutely source of pride when when we were all out there together. And I'll, I'll never uh, I'll never forget that. Uh, only thing that could have been better is if uh, if we would have won the tournament and we were nowhere close to that. But it was a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. Two big. Two big parts of the tournament now, as, as I said, you know, Tom went to the finals last year with the Fugitives and and Paul, uh, a consistent threat for the Mupp Cup. Definitely one of the guys brought up every single year. So I guess the last question for you, Pete, Dom Day 40, Red Machine. Was that the last time we've seen the Red Machine or, or never say never?
1: No, oh, never say never. Shit, I haven't played for three years. So the first thing, you know, that's the other thing. Maybe the Red Machine will be back without a, I didn't play in 40, did I?
0: Don't you run I this? I times. can't remember. Yeah.
1: So maybe maybe I'm trying to whip myself into shape now. So I'm not ruling anything out. Could be coaching, could be playing. I mean shit. Some of those guys that are still hanging on. It can't be can't be tough. Easy. Putting in a better performance than some of those some of those guys. So no, never say never. Absolutely.
4: There's a lineup for catching. I'd love to see Pete Mazzi as a catcher.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, shortstop, I've, I've been, I've been watching the shortstop position and there hasn't been a lot of stars at shortstop. So you never know.
4: I don't mean, think you could throw <laughs>
0: the ball 10 feet now. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Pete, before we go to the rest of the panel for their
1: final thoughts? No, Just that, uh, it's been really hard for everybody missing last year. And, uh, I just, uh, know that uh, everyone is, uh, is together with with just hoping uh for the best uh, that we can all uh, be together again in in september and um that's going to be one hell of a time when we do that awesome
0: cote final thoughts your dom day one coach any final thoughts on having him on for the last two episodes
4: well he, he, he's got a lot of great stories and and i truly do hope that uh, pete comes back and plays again because uh, obviously one of the originals and uh Along with uh, being a great competitor, obviously he's, he and uh, a lot of the original guys had a lot to do with keeping this thing successful for 43 plus years. So, um, pleasure having him on here. Uh, he's become a great friend. And, uh, if, uh, we're really desperate for guests, we'll ask him back. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> babe, babe, any final thoughts on Dick Delmer's visit with, with us on the pod?
2: Uh, he's always just inspirational for a lot of people, not myself, but I think a lot of other people would find him inspirational, but it's great to have Dick on because, you know, piecing everything together, as Donnie said earlier, you remember some stuff and there's other stuff you don't. And the more guys you have around that can piece everything together, the the better it is. And and Dick was such a inspirational and, and huge part of Dom day. And, you know, I hope, I hope you come back and play again. Pete I really do I, I think it's fun you just gotta say hey whatever position I'm playing as you said that the, the shortstops. I mean nobody plays that position like you did ever and uh, you know whether you miss a few or not doesn't matter and whether you can only throw 10 feet just move 10 feet from second base and get the double play
0: and Donnie Perfect. As, one, Perfect. as one of the original coaches who coached against Dick Delmer what are your final thoughts
3: well, I you know I I enjoyed this and and like just having Pete share some things that uh, you know we've done a few episodes and we never even thought of like the Campo story you know and then the the more detail on the the winter meetings night and stuff like that is awesome but uh, you know Pete and I go way back like so you know uh, probably none of you guys or or not many of our listeners were were around when the 3D club. Was formed uh, back in, I think it was grade. So at St. Mm-hmm. Benedict's, Pete, Pete, and I were in the same class, and it was a split class, right? And I, Pete, so I want to say you were in fourth grade and I was in fifth or something like that, right? It was yeah, like, I
1: think so. Yeah, it was
3: a split class, and so um, so there was three of us, and we had the Delmazzi Donnelly and uh, Tony De Silva, right? And so the three of us, and we actually <laughs> we used to hang out at Rexdale Library. And we got to the one one. We got to the point one night where, and I, I I think it was Pete who suggested, look, here's what we need to do. It's the 3D club. Let's all slit our fingers and put our blood on this piece of paper, and we'll unite as the 3D club, right? So we're sitting at Rexdale Library there. We did it. We slit our fucking fingers and we put it on <laughs> blood on the paper and wrote our names, and we were the 3D club. So that's how far back Pete. Pete and I go through St. Benedict's and then, and then obviously at West Humber and stuff like that. And even at West Humber, we, we were in different grades um, until uh, myself and some others got in a little bit of little uh, stall mode and uh, shifted back. And then we all got back together in, in 13 B and, and then moved on or whatever, but we've, we've been together a while. And so, you know, I think the red machine has a, Huge part in this whole thing. I mean, there. You know, if you ask somebody to name a franchise that in the history books for the for the for Dom Day, it would be probably the Red Machine that would come up. And uh, you know, just the way Pete went about it. And uh, as I said, he's he sort of he's very organized. He's a, he's definitely a planner. And uh, he he has a he has a side of him like he like he articulated that he he worries but keeps it masked. And so he, but he brings that, you know, calm effort to it. So, you know, I hope he gets back. I hope to see the red machine back. I hope Beasley's is around when he is back so we can beat their ass. Um, but really enjoyed having him on. So, yeah.
0: No, that's,
1: Thanks, Thanks, guys. That's,
0: that's really awesome, Johnny. And I, I I would say, you know, just uh, some final thoughts as, you know, somebody who um, had, had Dick uh, be a part of the Dumb Day 34 whippersnappers team, uh, that championship team, but, more importantly as somebody who is somebody who calls Pete whenever there's something that needs to be done like we call Minnow and many of the other first generation guys definitely somebody who's passed the torch um, and continues to support as we look forward so um, I will say thank you uh, Pete for all you've done all you have done and all you will continue to do for Dom Day Uh, and we look forward to hopefully having you again on a future episode to all our fans that are listening thank you once again for for our time uh, your time today. Don't forget to like, rate, or subscribe our pod- to our podcast on Spotify. And once again, we are looking to open the mailbox. So if you have any questions for the panel, uh, send an email to info.domday at gmail.com. Again, that's info.domday at gmail.com, and we'll be sure to answer your questions. Thanks, guys.
4: Yeah, yeah,
2: Take care, guys.
0: Dick, Dick, Yeah.
5: Yeah. 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 Dick. morning.